Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. The pre-med year, session number 454. Hello, and welcome to The Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Welcome to The Pre-Med Years. Thank you so much for taking some time to join me today. Before we jump into another great session today, I want to talk about the MCAT Minutes brought to you by Blueprint MCATs. The question today is, how many times can you take the MCAT? Did you know that a couple of years ago, the AAMC implemented a cap on the number of times that you can take the MCAT? Now, I'm hoping and praying that for the far majority of you, this is not an issue. It will never be an issue. But unfortunately, I do get emails from people saying, I don't know what to do. I don't have any more tests that I can take. I don't have any more uh, slots or whatever whatever they're called, uh, opportunities to take the MCAT again because I've used all seven. I avoided one. I just didn't go to one. I got a bad test on one. I avoided again. And, and students don't realize that now there is a cap. You can only take the MCAT seven times in your life, three times in one calendar year or four times in two calendar years. So the MCAT is something that should not be taken lightly. You have to go into it with a plan and being prepared. And if you go to blueprintmcat.com and sign up for a free account, that is the first thing that you should be doing to start to get prepared to crush the MCAT. Again, that's blueprintmcat.com. Go sign up for a free account today. All right. So I want to jump into another amazing Instagram live session. This one was full of live conversations with people. So if you don't like these sessions where I'm just answering random questions that people are typing in, I brought on a lot of people to come ask live questions with me. So hopefully this will be a little bit more entertaining for you. Uh, Again, if you have any friends or colleagues or, or connections to people who have interesting stories, you think I'd want to hear on the uh, podcast or that you would want to hear on the podcast, go ahead and send them my way. Probably DM me on Instagram is the best way. At Medical School HQ is how you can DM me on Instagram. They are, they are open and I will hopefully find you and get to you. All right, uh, here is our session from just a couple days ago. All right, Instagram, we are doing some Instagram live today. Uh, I love Fridays. I get to come hang out with you all running a few minutes late. Um, uh, just got some, some crazy house stuff going on. Um, 
I hope everyone is doing well. It's uh, it's your time to come hang out with me, ask some questions. Uh, Insta Asif. MCAT in four hours. Good luck. Everyone send Insta as if uh, some some good vibes this morning. Um, it's uh, it's great. It's great. Hello, Rachel. Lou just finished uh, full length 10 on the podcast. Um, all right. Still dealing with some stuff. If you want to come on with me. Um, raise your hand. We'll come on. Sorry. Uh, dealing with some some stuff. Had some stuff going on in the house yesterday. So just uh, finishing that. All right. Uh, master the MCAT vibes. MCAT prep resources. The MCAT podcast.com uh, is a great resource. Go sign up for a free account over Blueprint MCAT as well. You get a half length diagnostic, you get a full length, uh, you get uh, an amazing study planner tool, you get some flashcards, you get all kinds of amazing stuff. Um, all right. Let's bring on some people to come hang out and ask some questions. Hello, everyone. Hello, Sarah, Jake, David. Hello, hello. Is there a clubhouse for Medical School HQ? So, Hot Dog LA. Uh, I did start a clubhouse, a, a club on Clubhouse for Medical School HQ. Um, clubhouse died. Um, I, I'm just going to, there's no two ways around it. Uh, I, I was one of the earlier people on it, and it was going well. Uh, there's just, there's not enough people on there. Uh, and so I used to actually do these Friday mornings, uh, on clubhouse, but there would be like two people there, three people there. And so just, just not where my people were at. So I came here instead and just uh, hanging out on Instagram life. And I like doing the video too. Uh, here's a question here. I was a pharmacy technician. Is that something I should put on my application? Yes, you should put everything on your application. There's this big kind of misunderstanding of what needs to go on an application. We get this question a lot with Mapped, which if you haven't checked out Mapped, you should because that's the one place to keep it all. Uh, your courses, your activities, your MCAT scores, your PA CAT scores if you're pre-PA, um, everything, everything. Uh, inside of mapped mappd.com and and because you can put your activities in mapped a very common question we get from students is should i only put my clinical experiences should i only put my shadowing for the course entry part of map should i only put my prereqs and the answer is everything right you put everything your medical school application is basically a a snapshot of who you have been up until that point of your, your journey, not just from a medical perspective, not just from a, I want to be a doctor perspective, or I want to be a pre-PA perspective, right? It's, it's everything. So yes, uh, pharmacy tech should go on there. That's medically related. Uh, I personally don't think it is clinical experience because it's it's a retail job. Um, you just happen to be doing some some things that are kind of medically related. So what do I do? I do this. I hang out with you all. Uh, that's what I do. So if you want to come on live with me, ask a question, you can do so. 
uh, I will be here. Can I put dental assistant on my application? Yes, right? Going back to you can do put anything, everything on your application. Of course, you put dental assistant on your application. That is what you want to do. Obviously, if you are applying to medical school, you do not want dental assistant to be the only clinical experience you have. And potentially, you don't want it to be the main clinical experience that you have because the goal of applying to medical school is to show that you have put yourself around patients, that you've put yourself around physicians, that you want to be a physician, that you understand what you're getting yourself into. And if it's all about dental in your application and you're like, I'm ready to be a doctor, like a medical doctor, not a dental doctor, uh, but I don't have any of those experiences, I've only hung out in dental clinics, then there's a problem with that, right? There's there's a, a, a problem. Should I be worried that my committee letter won't be sent until mid-August? Have secondaries and I'm filling out, but uh, worried the committee letter will delay my app. No, I wouldn't worry about it. Unfortunately, committee letters, that's kind of a standard timeline for committee letters. Uh, I hate committee letters, one specifically for that reason. All right, we'll get Michael Olson on with us. Is it possible to take a gap year abroad? What type of experiences should I look into? Yeah, you can take gap years abroad. Hello, Michael Olson. Hey, good morning, Dr. Gray. How are you? I, I want to see that bed head. You threw the hat on. You're like, I don't yeah, want to show did, my I hair. <laughs> I hit the button to join, and I'm like, oh, my hair does not look great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I woke up a little bit out of, out of sorts today, too. Oh, yeah, I, I can tell. <laughs> um. Well, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing good. So I'm just starting to study for the MCAT now, and I had a few questions. Um, I picked up your books through Amazon. Hopefully, they're getting delivered today, and I can start reading those. Nice. Um, <clears throat> my question was, I'm about five hours in uh, to studying right now. I'm just reading through the Kaplan books as it is. Um, I was wondering, should I take a diagnostic now, or should I wait till I'm about 15 or 20 hours in to kind of refine it from there? Repeat your question. So I'm starting to self-study for the uh, the MCAT now. I'm yeah. planning on taking it in January. Yeah. Should I start off with a diagnostic or should I take that diagnostic 15 to 30 hours into studying or something like take that? Take it now, right? The, the diagnostic, everyone is scared of the diagnostic because they're like, I don't want to see how terrible that first score is. But the, the diagnostic is not there to show how good you are at the MCAT, right? It's to give you just some baseline understanding of, okay, now I kind of understand what this test is kind of about. And then you go into your studying. And when you're, it, it gives you context for everything that you're studying. Okay, so, so you can find self-study from there. Exactly. Don't don't worry about the score that you get on on your diagnostic. Don't worry. <laughs> don't, don't worry about anything, right? It's, it's just to go do, to see, right? Just go take it. Okay. How many full lengths would you recommend prior to, to testing in January? About, should I do for 10? <laughs> as, as many as you can. Yeah, I, I think 10 is a good number, uh, right? At a, at a bare minimum, the four scored full lengths from the AAMC and the one unscored, uh, that's at a bare minimum. So that's, I, I only count those as four tests because the unscored test is, is not really scored, right? So you don't really know how you do on it. And yes, there are conversion tables on Reddit and stuff, but those aren't, those aren't calibrated super appropriately. But um, the, so, so you get those four from the AAMC and then a four pack from Blueprint, which is the second best uh, full length exams out there is probably, uh, in my mind, probably far sufficient for the far majority of students. Sure. 
Um, and and the, uh, the application services in schools, they talk about kind of a holistic review. Um, you know, with this past year and everything, it's been, it's been kind of difficult for me to get clinical experience. Um, <laughs> not just you, brother, not just you. <laughs> absolutely. Um, I actually recently got a medical assistant position up at CSU, um, which I'm starting, uh, here in a, in a week or so. So I'm super excited about that. Um, and then my application I'm starting next year. So do you think two years of clinical experience would be kind of sufficient? Yeah. Um, okay. All right. Sweet. That's all the questions that I had. Thank you for, very much for having me on. You are welcome. Have a good day. You too. Bye. Well, I almost ended the live instead of kicking out Michael. That, that was the wrong button I just pushed. I'm <laughs> like, do you want to end the live? No, I just want to kick Michael out. Um, we got Anissa coming on. Um, hello. Hi, Dr. Gray. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. What's going on? So I have a question. I became a citizen three days ago or four days Woo-hoo! ago. Congrats. <laughs> thank you. And one of the main reasons, I, I'm not going back to my own country, but I yeah. wanted to go like approach medical school through the Air Force. That's what I've known I wanted to do since I was a freshman. Interesting. Um, in college. So like, what is the timeline that you would recommend with everything. I will be applying next cycle. Uh, Timeline in terms of interacting with recruiters? Yes. So uh, the the Air Force recruiting process is a little weird. Um, You technically can't apply for an Air Force scholarship until you're actually accepted to medical school. So you, you go to them and say, I'm accepted, here's my scholarship application. Now, I would recommend talking to a recruiter beforehand. The the difference is that you just can't show up at one of those like recruiters in the strip mall. Um, For the HPSP scholarship, there are specific medical recruiters that you need to talk to. And so if you just Google, and I don't know the site off the top of my head, if you Google um, Air Force HPSP recruiter or something like that, uh, you will get taken to a website that has a uh, basically a finder uh, to find the the most local recruiter to you. Where in the country are you located? I am in Boston right now. Yeah, so in, in Boston, I, I know specifically because that's where I commissioned. Um, there, there are recruiters out in, uh, it's out near Lexington kind of area. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not the exact place, like Burlington maybe. So, so there are recruiters there very easy for you to go. Uh, you just, you, you talk to them, start talking to them uh, and just get the process started. But again, you can't technically apply uh, until you're accepted to medical school, but you should go, go start having that conversation now. Um, go, go talk to them. They'll ask you a bunch of questions. They'll ask about your fitness uh, for duty. Uh, make sure that you don't have any sort of disqualifying conditions because at the end of the day, the goal of being in the military, whether you're a doctor, a fighter pilot, an infantry person, the goal of being uh, in the military uh, is to be ready to deploy, right? So everybody has to be qualified to deploy. And then on top of that, all of your, your medical stuff. So that's exciting. Yeah. And another thing, I'm, I, will, I will be joining your application academy, like 
one-on-one thing soon. The application academy or uh, yes, the none uh, of my parents know anything about the medical thing at all. So that's going to be really helpful. So I'm pretty excited. Okay. Um, Okay. Anything else? No, that was that. Thank you for having me on. You are welcome. Have a good day. You too. There I go. I tried to end the live again. Darn it. Wrong button. (laughs) They they really like they they hide the button to kick you guys off. Um, <clears throat> but we'll figure it out. We'll get there. So, what are some differences between shadowing and clinical? So, shadowing literally is shadowing. Sh- shadowing is passive. You're just following around. You're watching. You're observing. Clinical experiences. You are interacting with patients. Hello there. Hi. What's oh going my on? Gosh. Oh, I'm doing good. Oh, I'm excited to talk to you. I've been watching you for such a long time now, I feel like. <laughs> Don't call me old. Come on, man. <laughs> uh, no, I feel like I'm getting old. <laughs> we all are, every day. What's yeah. going on? So I feel like I'm kind of, I mean, everyone's obviously in their own unique situation. Um, I graduated college uh, back in 2018. Um, I had some pretty good clinical experiences, good volunteering. Um, my GPA was about 3.8 science, 3.75 overall, uh, MCAT. I got a 507 about a year or two ago. Uh, I, after graduating college, I stayed home to take care of some family issues. My grandmother was 102 years old, diabetic, and I was her primary caregiver. So I kind of stayed home to help with the family, help with our end of life treatment. And then I also... Uh, while working in a winery, uh, kind of I'm in Southern California, and I work in the wine region, I end up going to my level two certified sommelier. It's kind of study wine as like a personal hobby of mine mm-hmm. while I had the time. And while well, I just got accepted into a scribe uh, job right beginning of COVID, everything hit, and then that kind of obviously fell through, and then I haven't gained much experience since then. So uh, I feel like I had a, a pretty strong application going out of college, the gap year that I took afterwards to help my family and kind of take care of my personal self as well, I haven't had that much experience outside of a little bit of shadowing. I've, I've done something online. Well, well pause, pause for one second. You just said yeah. you were the primary caregiver for your 102-year-old grandmother. Yes. That's clinical experience. Yes. Yeah, so I, I have that written down as like family care and some clinical um and she passed away in 2019. Okay. And I haven't done much, like, signi- I feel like very significant since then. Yeah. I mean, I've done a little bit of shadowing. I, uh, one of the doctors that I shadowed, I actually worked on a publication with him on a, okay. a case report um, for a patient, really, that interesting case that he had. Okay. But outside of that, I feel like I don't have that much. <laughs> so, even out yeah. in general, outside so, of COVID. So, so what what you're saying is basically the imposter syndrome that every pre med student has. You're like, I have some shadowing, I have some research, I have I have some taking care of my grandmother, but outside of that, I have nothing. <laughs> Right. It's like I I would guarantee you there there are fifty percent of students on here were like, I wish I had that. Right. Nobody wishes they had to take care of their their grandmother end of life, but but that's experience that you can lean on. uh, um and and hopefully memories that you'll cherish for the rest of your life, being able to take care of her. So obviously that's 2019, 2020 hits, the end of the world happens, right? No, nobody's yeah. getting clinical experience. Nobody's getting shadowing. And so there's some silver lining there for you that 
that there are people going to have huge gaps in their application during this time, and that's okay. So I, I think you have some um, unjustified is not the right word, but some some unrealistic expectations of what you should be doing. When in reality, you've been doing a lot. And yes, you should still try to be doing things. Um, but but I don't want to say set your expectations lower, but but just don't don't worry about what you haven't been doing and just try to go do something today or tomorrow as soon as you can. Okay. And I'm trying to follow, like, shadow more doctors, get some more experience. Um, yeah. I've been reapplying for the scribing opportunity, but just really hasn't come back yet to any yep. full force in my area. Um, I have submitted my application for the, the cycle. This will be my, I'll be reapplying officially. I did try applying last year during COVID. Okay. And I had one interview, one wait list for the California school. Okay. Um, but it did not go through. Okay. What, so what do you think? This year. What do you think was the, the reason for? the lack of interviews and then ultimately the wait list or rejection after that interview? I do feel that my personal statement could have been a little bit stronger. Um, I, my fiance and I definitely retweaked it a lot, reworked on it a lot. I think took some kind of maybe some questionable phrasing out that uh, some people might've gone like, eh, did you, did you use this? Oh yeah. Okay, I have, I've got two copies. Of this. <laughs> I, I've gone through, um, uh, the blueprint next step. Um, I got a copy, so I bought all your books and then they also gave me a copy of your book. So I think I have somehow like two or three (laughs) copies of each one at this point. Awesome. Okay. Uh, Yeah. So I I definitely did some retweaking and I think it's a little stronger. Um, I also did apply pretty late. Um, I don't think I got many of my secondary applications in until very end of like August, mid September. Okay. So, so I, yeah, so I think that was kind of initially hit me a little harder just going in to apply, uh, lagging behind. Um, and then I felt like my interview went very well, and I got that waitlist position fairly quickly. Um, but it was I didn't interview until I think it was on the beginning of March of this year. Wow. So I don't okay. think, yeah, so I think that I was interviewing either for the waitlist or yep. for maybe one or two slots at that point. Yep. So I'm reapplying to the same schools again. Uh, okay. A couple other schools, I find tuned my list a bit more. I feel like I probably applied to maybe too many public school, out-of-state public schools that while my stats fit into, I they I, I personally probably am not likely going to get in there just from where I'm at. It's a big, right big mistake, common mistake. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, what can I answer for you? So it's something I kind of mentioned a little bit before ago uh, is – I've no. I've heard you mention about like, oh, you know, every trying to try to be like try to be unique and stand out in situations like that. And I don't know how schools would look at this. You know, during that time, I was taking care of my grandmother instead of doing a lot of outside other medical experience, shadowing and things like that. I spent my myself becoming a sommelier and studying wine and getting certified to the court of masters with that. Um, it's something that I've kind of had a strong personal achievement for, but I know it's obviously something very completely unrelated to medicine. It's okay. That's okay. Yeah. You're a human being. This is a very common mistake that students make on an application is they leave out all of the things that show that they're a human being. And it's it's all medicine, all healthcare. And as a reviewer of an application, as an interviewer, I go, oh, it's just another one that's just checking all the boxes. Just another one that's checking all the boxes. Ooh, a sommelier. Ooh, that's really interesting. I hate wine, but I want to talk about it with this person. I'm going to invite him for an interview. Okay. Right. So 
it definitely should be on your application. It potentially is the most meaningful activity, right? Another very common mistake is that students only put clinical experiences or shadowing experiences as most meaningful activities. But when you look at what a most meaningful activity is, it doesn't say what is most meaningful to you on your journey to becoming a physician. It just says what's most meaningful to you as a person, as a human being, right? So sommelier could be that. Taking care of your grandmother could be that. Some other non-clinical related thing could be that, right? It doesn't have to be one research, one clinical, one shadowing. Yes. I, I've actually been putting like working from the winery and going for my sommelier as one of my most meaningful. Perfect. So I, I wanted to kind of break up that little bit. Yep. One thing where I was, and it's already submitted, but just, you know, the off chance for future reference for myself or others. Uh, in my personal statement, I did talk about part of the reason of becoming my reason of becoming a doctor is actually because of my family, because of my grandmother. And I had been, well, I'd really hit hard to take care of her after college. The, the kind of long battle of health was kind of one of my initial sparks into medicine and my, one of my first exposures to it as well. Yep. And so I did talk about it in a pretty decent amount in my personal statement. I was somewhat conflicted of, you know, hitting hard into my personal statement and then also making it a most meaningful and then talking about that kind of not like the same things over again, but trying to pull apart and almost say like talk about half of it here and half of it here. So yeah. I end up kind of, you know, talking more like the diagnostics, what I physically did and my quick takeaways and my personal and my, uh, uh, my primary. And I talked more about my relation to medicine and my personal statement. I didn't know if yeah. it seemed maybe kind of off putting be like, okay, this is obviously very important to him, but he clearly didn't mark it as most meaningful. That would kind of, look weird to some people or people reviewing the application. Yeah, I, I think students try to try to play this game too much of like, well, if I if I talk about it a lot in my personal statement, I have to put it as most meaningful in my activity section or else they're going to question like really wasn't meaningful. If it wasn't meaningful, why did you put it in your personal statement? Like, don't play that game. Don't worry about those questions. Your personal statement is the story about why you want to be a doctor, period. Most meaningful activities are what activities are most meaningful to you as a person. Some of them may be very the, the, the same activity that you've written about in your personal statement. That's okay. Don't say the same exact thing, right? Don't uh, yeah. write the same thing, come at it from a different angle or talk about a different story. Um, so yeah, you're overthinking okay. it. Shocker, okay. right? That's, yeah, that sounds, that sounds pre, like me. Pre-Med 101. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, this is pretty simple. I'm gonna overthink it real fast. Hold on. Maybe this way more complicated than it needs to be. Yeah. Uh, if I have somebody like one last question, sure. uh, as a reapplicant going in, um, I know I've had some people to ask, tell me about like a uh, reflection in terms of like in my personal statement or what I'm applying, like what I've learned in that last year, yep. and putting that in my personal statement, like oh, like COVID, like COVID has taught me this, and my experiences from COVID, and putting that in my personal statement. How do you feel about? If it's not necessarily a big reason in motivation for me initially going to become a doctor, including that in my personal statement or my application. I don't think so. No, no. Okay. Did you? That's, no, I did not. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> I, I was, I was very yeah. hesitant. I kind of wrote it. We kind of did a couple of rough drafts, and I was yeah. looking at it, and I just, I kind of more so retweaked and refined my original version, yep. and added just a few little things in there. I was, I yep. didn't really know what to say about how you know, yeah. COVID. I, I, I would my journey forward. The, the schools that care about that stuff will ask you those questions in a secondary. Right there, there are secondary prompts that say if you're a reapplicant, what has changed? There are secondary prompts about COVID impact. It's part of the primary for a comus. So, 
that's that's covered elsewhere okay. if schools are interested in it. the personal statement is the personal statement is the personal statement that doesn't change year to year based on what's happening in the world. Okay, good. I was kind of worried about that submitted and I was like, huh, should I, should I, I feel like I shouldn't have, but like, what if I need to, like, what if I need to do this right now? And we were like, hold on, let me delete my whole personal statement and start over again and try <laughs> something new. Yeah. All right, cool. Awesome. Well, good luck to you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate this. Yeah, have a good one. Thank you. All right. Let's keep them coming. If you want to come on and ask a question, uh, you can. I wonder how to become a flight surgeon in the Air Force. I'm currently with ROTC, but my commander has no idea how it will work out. For me, do you see anyone commissioned through ROTC and become a flight surgeon? Yeah. So um, one of my uh, one of my good friends from med school was an ROTC um, person as well. So as an ROTC person, it's much much harder to get um, allowed right to apply to medical school. So you basically are competing for a small number of spots outside of all the civilians that are looking to apply for HPSB scholarships. And, and you're either going through USIS, so the Uniformed Services um, University of Health Sciences, which is the military medical school, or you're applying for HPSB like everyone else, uh, all the other civilians that, that want to go to a, a civilian medical school and have the Air Force uh, foot, foot the dime. Um, but it's, it's just much harder. So you have to be really good. You have to have really great stats. Um, and you just have to cross your fingers and, and hope it works out. If not, it's, it's really hard, unfortunately. Um, so that's all I got. Um, all right. If, again, if you want to come on live with me, just hit that button to join me live. If you have a committee letter, do you still need other LORs? No, just whatever your committee requires is all you need. Are B minus considered academic difficulties? I should explain on secondaries. One school specifically asked to explain anything B minus and below. So now I'm not sure how to approach my other school's secondaries. No, I, I think the schools that want to know about B minuses and below are perfectly fine to ask that specifically. Um, a B minus I wouldn't consider an academic difficulty otherwise. Does everyone that applies for HPSP from college usually get in? No, uh, there are typically, last I looked, about 150 spots per service. So Army, Navy, Air Force, the VA, which is very new. Um, the VA has an HPSP scholarship now as well, uh, which potentially is interesting for a lot of students where you can serve military members, but not be at risk for deploying if you're potentially interested in one, but really scared of the other. Um, so that's something to look into as well. <laughs> Do I think SEO and keyword research can be listed as research on the application or is it a stretch? So that is a stretch. So SEO, for those of you uninitiated, is search engine optimization, something that uh, I know way too much about. Um, but yeah, that's that's not research. So research in in the generic term for medical school, PA school, et cetera, is hypothesis-based, um, scientific method-based research. You're asking a question. Um, you're, you're trying to come up with a hypothesis. You're trying to figure out how to test that hypothesis. You are testing that hypothesis. You're gathering that data. You're, you're analyzing that data. And you're either proving or disproving your hypothesis. So SEO keyword research is not that. Good question, though. It's a fun one. 
Uh, if you are really good at SEO and keyword research, shoot me an email. <laughs> we can talk. Um, should I study Bachelor of Biochemistry or Biomedical Science? Whichever one you feel like you will like the most. EKG Tech is considered clinical experience, right? Of course. If you're interacting with patients, it is clinical experience. Best clinical experience, the one that you will enjoy the most. Uh, is a post-bac or master's in core science better for improving showing growth for low undergraduate GPA? My general stance is post-bac work, aka undergraduate courses, are better than a master's. There are lots of reasons why someone wouldn't want to do that, whether it's financial or something else. Um, but it seems like the the medical school admissions committees care more about uh, undergraduate GPA. How much weight does Casper hold on U.S. applications? Uh, it depends on the school, unfortunately. Everything where you ask a question like that of like, does this matter? And what does this look like? It, it's, it's almost always, it depends on the school, um, unfortunately. Can someone be a Navy SEAL out of college and come back from med school after their service? Of course. Of course, of course. If you look at uh, Johnny Lee, right? Dr. Johnny Lee, I believe is his name. Um, Dr. Johnny Lee, um, astronaut, astronaut, um, where is he? Astronaut. I have no idea how to spell astronaut. Uh, it's just bad. Uh, Johnny Kim, not Johnny Lee, Johnny Kim. So if you look at Johnny Kim, he was like, oh, what was he? He was a Navy SEAL, I believe. Um, he was in the Navy. He was, he's a physician. He's an astronaut. Uh, he's, he's all, right? He's, he's <laughs> a parent's like dream come true that he just uh, did everything. So yes, you can do anything you want. Opinion on clinical research coordinator for paid clinical experience, I think is amazing clinical experience. Uh, the... Someone asked earlier about paid versus volunteer for clinical. What's better? Neither. They're, one is not better than another. It does not matter. All right. We'll get some more people on here. Have experience as an MA and EMT. Is that enough? So I never look at things like enough. I look at consistency more than enough total hours. So... Um, if you're doing those things, great. That, then yes, that is enough. You don't need to do more and more and more and more. All right. Again, if you want to come on live with me, just click the little button. It says join live. 506-121 cars, English second language, which I would expect with a 121 in cars. 393 GPA, a lot of community service, clinical hours, a great story. Is it worth... <coughs> um, is it worth it for MD? I think so. I, I don't look at stats as MD versus DO. Um, so I, I would apply. What makes someone get accepted into Harvard Medical School? Same thing they get accepted to everywhere else. Good stats, good story, good experiences. 
Is being a sexual assault victim advocate for an organization considered good clinical or volunteer experiences? So I, I typically don't answer these questions, right? Is, is it good? Is it bad? It is what it is. If, if you enjoy it, if you are interacting with the patients, in, in this, these cases, the uh, survivors, then and you enjoy it and you can talk about it, you can reflect on it, it it's meaningful to you, that's what makes it meaningful. Too many of you are focused on the title of the thing, is this good or is it bad? Too many of you are focused on finding the right title and doing that thing to make it look good on an application. Not enough of you are going into work every single day, going into your volunteer experience every single day and actually getting something out of it. You're just there to check off a box. Go there, put yourself into it right? Put everything you have into it. Then at the end of the shift, reflect on it, think about it, journal it. And so when you come to your application, you have some emotions that you can lean on. Instead of, I did this thing, you say, here's what I did and here's what it meant to me. That's what makes something good or bad. The bad students The bad applicants just go, here's what I did, here's what I did, here's what I did, here's what I did, here's what I did. I did everything you expect me to do, therefore you should accept me. The good applicants are, here's what I did, here's what it meant to me, and here's how it's changed me. Here's how it's impacted me. Here's how it's made me a better human being. You notice how I didn't say, here's how it's prepared me to be a doctor, because that's not what they're looking for either. They're just looking for growth as a human being. That's what makes the difference between a good activity and a bad activity. If you're just doing crap to do it because you think that's what you need to do for an application, you are losing. So stop that. Does it look bad if I had lower GPA, 3.3, three C's in community college, then I improved to a 3.8 when I transferred to university? No, it does not look bad. It looks like you figured out what works for you. I didn't do as well as I had hoped on my June 26th MCAT and have I uh, have to retake it. I applied the cycle and have already sent back secondaries. January MCAT too late for the cycle. Um, for DO schools, January MCATs are typically not too late. For MD schools, they typically are. Many schools will tell you what the latest MCAT they accept is. So just go school to school and see what they say. Any advice for someone who is in a high school wanting to be a trauma surgeon? Yeah, just go out and, and have fun, live your life, get experiences. Um, do not pigeonhole yourself at, at such a young age to, to do this thing. If you can get some, some shadowing now, great. If you can get some clinical experience now, great. Uh, obviously with the pandemic and with age restrictions, there may not be a lot that you can do. Um, at, at the core, everything is being a good student, um, loving to learn, all that kind of fun stuff. So... Make sure you're you're solid there. Do I just walk into nearby clinics and hospitals to get clinical and shadowing experience? I wouldn't just walk in. I would call or email. But uh, yeah, it's just it's a lot of calling and emailing and getting lots of no's. But uh, yeah, all of that. The official Ben B Go Gators. Um, 
Gator Nation representing. Steven asks three, four, five cumulative, three, three science, yearly progression, three, uh, two, nine, three, two, three, seven, three, seven, five. Great, great job. Is that a strong enough upward trend? It probably depends on how many credits that 37375 is, but very likely, yes. Any advice for someone who struggles with math who wants to be a doctor? Luckily, math is not a key part of being a physician, so just uh, do well enough to, to get by, get good enough grades, and you should be fine. What is the range of clinical research shadowing experience that pre-med should aim for? I don't know what you mean by range. Range of what? Can I get accepted without shadowing our clinical experience because they don't accept any more applications due to COVID? So um, you can. Is it likely? No. Um, probable? No. Possible? Not probable. All right. If, if you were applying this cycle and you didn't have any clinical experience freshman year, sophomore year, and then and then COVID hits or whatever that timeline looks like for you, and you're like, well, I was going to do all of my clinical and shadowing, then you're, you're SOL, right? You potentially should delay your application, get the clinical experience, get the shadowing. In my experience, students cannot, cannot write or verbalize why they want to be a doctor without clinical and shadowing experience. So uh, I, I have seen way too many students not, uh, not get into medical school, have terrible personal statements, can't answer why they want to be a doctor um, because of that. All right, so Trevor's saying, I have a friend who's in Vandy without clinical experience. Uh, you can, right? You, you can definitely do it. If I were on an admissions committee, I would, if, if I were the dean or director of admissions, I would say, absolutely not. Nobody's getting into our school without clinical experience. Period, end of story. So that's what I would say. Future MD vlog in the house. What's going on, brother? Um, I, I, think, I think without clinical experience, my, uh, and I waver on this, right? Because I go, well, what about, students in Canada, right? Canada clinical experience and shadowing is, is really not a thing. And you have lots of students going to medical school, becoming physicians in Canada. I would love to see what the difference is in Canada versus the US in terms of burnout rates and everything else. I think in the US, uh, I, I hate this, like in the US we're special. Um, and, and so it's different here. Uh, in the U.S., it's different here <laughs> uh, in, in a worse way because of our stupid insurance system, right? Our healthcare system is horrible here, and doctors have to put up with it. And it is, uh, on top of that, our educational system is terrible. It costs hundreds of thousands of dollars to go to medical school. And so for students in the U.S. specifically to come into medical school get several hundred thousand dollars in debt, enter a residency program, work 80 to 100 hours a week, making minimum wage or less when you actually calculate all of those hours, to come into a field 
where lots of people are burnt out, the healthcare system is changing year by year, depending on who the administration is, uh, wanting to um, kind of get rid of the Affordable Care Act, implementing the Affordable Care Act, doing this, doing that, you have lots of people who are miserable in their job. And if you don't have clinical experience, to show that you really love being around patients, patients who are going to yell at you, spit at you, throw poop at you, pee on you, spit at you, whatever, right? Because they're not happy that you're not doing something right for them. If you don't have those experiences to prove to yourself, right? This is not for medical schools, to prove to yourself that you love enough being around patients so that at the end of the day, the debt, is worth it. The, the insurance hassles are worth it. If you don't have those experiences, my hypothesis is that you're going to be miserable as a doctor. And so I don't want you here unless you've proven to yourself that this is really what you enjoy doing. There are lots of other careers out there where you will not have as much debt and you will make much more money. So that's what I got for you with clinical experience. Oh, man. Who is this? Uh, healthfully happy. I have a slight stutter. Should I address this at the beginning of an interview? Well, you know who else has a slight stutter? The president of the freaking United States. And if he can do it, you can do it. All right. I, I love that we have someone uh, in, in such a position of power who has a stutter right? And he has tons of techniques. He's been obviously been a public speaker, a public servant for 40 some odd years um, where he's had to work on his stutter so that he is comfortable enough speaking and doing everything that he does. And so we've had this question a lot more, I think, because Biden is, is um, president now. Um, but but this is not the first time I've answered this question about a stutter. And, and my answer typically is do what you would do in a normal situation, right? When you're meeting new friends, do you kind of call yourself out and go, I have a stutter, so please bear with me? Or do you just go, you know what? They're going to realize I have a stutter and they better be okay with it. So I'm just going to go with what I go do, right? All right. So that's what I would do. Uh, so if you are comfortable, sorry for the interruption there. If you're comfortable with going, hey, b before we start or, or before you answer your first question, I have a slight stutter. It may come out. It comes out more when I'm nervous. Um, that's fine. Do, do what you would normally do. Do what you are comfortable with and it will be okay. What year of college did you start getting clinical experience? As soon as you are ready. Um, I, I think as soon as you can, as soon as you've proven that you can handle yourself academically, start layering things on. How do I speak about my plans for my gap year and my application since I apply about two months into my gap year? So your secondary applications, a lot of them will ask what your plans are um, if you're not going to be a full-time student. So that's where that would come up. Uh, on the ACOMAS application, you can talk about, uh, you can add activities as you're working on your gap year. On the TMDS, app, 
TMDSAS application, you can put future activities on there. So lots of lots of uh, workarounds there. Um, all right. What kind of question is this? I don't know who you are, Prof Cruiser, but you're asking some really weird questions here. All right. Um, I have no idea what this means. Can a good AFOQT score be a factor for HPSP? I have no idea what that means. Uh, I am from California. Want to apply to UCs? Does it matter taking postback at a state school versus UC postback? Way cheaper. Uh, so it's it's funny. I don't understand. Right, taking a postback at a state school versus a UC postback. UCs are state schools. <laughs> it's the same freaking system. I don't know where this like Cal State is better or worse or or or, or lower than. Uh, University of California, it's the same freaking system. They're all getting the same money from the same pool of whatever, right? They just have a different name. Cal State, University of California, both public schools in University of, uh, in California. Uh, so no, it does not matter. Do what you do. Um, all right, I think I'm gonna end there. I do have a meeting uh, with a medical school, fun, fun, interesting meeting. One of my favorite medical schools out there, Carl Illinois College of Medicine. If you're an engineer, you should go check them out. They have a, a really cool, uh, really cool program there at Carl. So uh, I will end there. I hope you all have a wonderful week and I will see you hopefully next Friday. Bye. All right, so there you have it. Again, another great Q&A session on Instagram Live. Again, I do these Instagram Live sessions typically every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern. If you are available, just come join us and put the put your phone down and put your earbuds in and, and take a listen and to these uh, Q&A sessions. I, I love doing them with students. So hopefully this was helpful. You learned a couple new things today or I said something a little bit different today that got you thinking in a different way. And don't forget to go check out blueprintmcat.com for all of your MCAT needs. I hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time here on The Pre-Med Years. This is MedEd Media.